Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, what do you really value? Would you like to make the right decision every time? I mean, nearly every time. And so today, what I'd like to do is just spend uh, the time that you're giving us today on our podcast just around the topic of values, what are they, what do they do, and how critically important they are to our life, defining our life, but also living our life intentionally. You know, it is one of my most favorite topics, is this topic of values. And after, you know, being an expert in personal style, or some of you call it personality, the values preference indicator, our other sort of sister tool, is built out of that. And when we think about people's values, when you think about your values, are you clear about what they are? And right now in, in life, in, in the world, there is just so much noise. There's so much going on. There are so many choices. What would it mean to you if you could make values-based decisions versus situationally-based decisions? You know what, there's too many choices for most people. You go, you know, even a grocery store. Do you know there's over 60,000 items or 40,000 items in the standard sort of grocery store in North America? I can't speak for those of you in other countries. But man, how do you even choose through all of that? What are your value sets? What do you you know going in uh, ahead of time what you want to do? And every day we are challenged by choices, by decisions that we need to make that are values-based. Uh, many, many years ago, when our kids were younger, a friend of mine had called me and said, Ken, you know, uh, we have this uh, investment opportunity. It's invitation only. It's uh, right in the upfront, uh, meaning uh, upfront in the beginning of this investment, so very, very high sort of returns is what they were predicting. Have ever heard of this before? And so, Ken, I need you, uh, um, not need you, but I'm, I'm inviting you to come to this, uh, this meeting, which is about 30 minutes away, on Thursday. And I said, well, Mike, that'll be fine. That'll be great. Well, about 4.30, quarter to 5, 5 o'clock uh, that Thursday, my wife Brenda gives me a call and says to me, and, and this is when you could be on your phone <laughs> when you were driving, is she said, Ken, are, am I coming by the office to pick you up? Or are you coming down to the school to see the kids' concert on your own? Kids' concert? What are you talking about, kids' concert? So, no, 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 Tim is doing his solo tonight on the keyboard, and I uh, just wanted to know if I was picking you up or if you were coming down on your own. I said, well, hang on. I actually said, yes, Mike's going to be here in about you know, 15 to 30 minutes to pick me up to go to this. Uh, investment meaning that that I've al- already promised for him. And I said, oh, right then I had this choice about values. And so uh, Brenda, in her brilliance, and I said, well, this is how, this was my response initially. I said, well, listen, you've got, I've already made this commitment to Mike. I gave him my word. You've got the video camera. You video it. And then I'll just promise to the kids that I will watch it as soon as I get home from this meeting right after you get back from the concert. 
And she says, well, no, you tell them that you're not coming. And so she took the phone and handed it off to my son, Tim, who was eight or nine at that time. And I said, Tim, this is what's going on. Uncle Mikey had kind of invited me to this thing. I'd given this kind of commitment to him. I apologize for not being there. And I'm going to watch the video as soon as I get home. Now, my son, in his wisdom, at eight or nine years old, he says, Dad, why don't you just say no? So what did I do? I end up going to my kids' concert. You know, every day, and by the way, I never regretted it. Every day you are given options and choices of choosing one thing over another. You are revealing through your choices what you value most intentionally or just unconsciously. And so if we don't know what we've, if we're not clear about our values, if we're not clear about what's most important to us, then anything will do. And it's interesting, there are some other factors that were driving my decision around really I should have immediately said, oh, of course, I've got to go to the kids' concert, is first of all, I'd made a commitment to Mike, and I wanted to keep my word, and so integrity is important. So that was one thing that was driving that. But more important to that was the fear of loss, because remember, this is a ground-level opportunity to be able to get into this investment, and our mind plays towards ourself, which is, uh, which is false play, by the way, is there's never, ever in the history of mankind ever going to be an investment opportunity or a real estate investment opportunity ever again. They're all gone. This is the last one. Well, what a ridiculous concept, right? However, a lot of times, scarcity mentality is played on us by all kinds of people around us. You know, if you don't make this decision right now, then, then it's going to be gone forever. Well, then let it go if it's not something that's important. So I had to let go of some sort of false beliefs at that time or incorrect beliefs that were hindering me to really say what's most valuable. And what was amazing at the end of it, Tim, my son Tim, just rocked this place, four, five, six hundred people in the in auditorium, in the gymnasium, and here he's doing this keyboard uh, solo and just doing an amazing job. And at the end of it says, Mom, I just want to do that for the rest of my life. And then after that, uh, Tim has been involved in music. He's now in his 20s, you know, engaged, soon to get married, all these things that go up, and he is on a worship team. And he also led uh, a musical team in high school. So uh, what, not that my presence there uh, would have changed that direction, but what about the support as a father? And can I ever get that back if I was never there? No, I can't. And so my challenge for us today for everybody listening here, is that, you know, what motivates self and others? So the question I have for you is, what makes something valuable? And it's a bit of a trick question, because the answer to that question, for those of you that are driving or listening to this podcast, is you do. You make it important. You know, I have no idea why some people love golf. Now, I'm not trying to trash those of you that love golf. I'll respect the fact that you do. But it's not my cup of tea. It's just not where I'm at. It's just, yes, I will do it, and it is mildly enjoyable. But to go do it every week for four to five hours, to hit this white ball around there poorly, which is maybe one of the reasons why I don't do it, is just beyond me. However, there are many of you that are listening, or you know people who around you who just love the game of golf and would play every single day if that was possible. And so who is to define what is valuable? You are. 
And so when we think about our life is that uh, in many of my other podcasts, I talk about how important self-awareness is. And self-awareness of your values is critically important. Now, I cover in depth, you know, what is a value, uh, just the different elements of it, the different values that we have in Chapter 8 of my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? And so if you want to learn more than what we're talking about on this podcast, there are two recommendations. First of all, you can go online and complete the online values preference indicator, probably one of the most valuable sort of investments you'll ever have. And then you can also get the book and read more fully, fully about what a value is. When in our value set, and I'll just talk about them for a little bit here today, is we talk about behavioral values or what we call internal motivators. What would it mean if you could, as we said in the beginning, make the right decision every time? And the reason we don't is we're not using a filter. We're not using a decision-making model that is congruent with who we are. We make a decision, we go do something, and then we regret it a little bit later on because we said, well, I should have known better. Well, you probably did, but you didn't do the pre-work before that decision. So some of the values that are on our list so we are things like accomplishment, independence, honesty, tranquility, variety. So when we look at values, these are internal motivators so that if they are not present, you do not feel fulfilled in life as part of it. Now, there's contextual values, other values that are not on our list like family. Well, that is something that's a little bit different than something that's called responsibility or variety or challenge or accomplishment. And so when we look at these values, and when we, somebody asked me the question when I was doing a seminar around this where we do an extended workshop around the values preference indicator and what really motivates you, if somebody says, well, do I have work values and do I have, I have work values and I have home values? And I said, well, hang on. Don't you go wherever you are? In other words, we don't have home values and work values. We just have values, and we are living them out in two different contexts. So somebody says, well, no, I just have work values. No, no, you take yourself back home. And when you're at home, you take yourself back at work. So values, your core values go with you. So if I have the values of independence, which I do is one of my top values, is that, and when I look at my life and look at the decisions I've made, why have I had always, when I had independent, or when I had roles with other companies or organizations, is that there was a very high level of independence within the role where I didn't have to report to somebody, I was out there kind of doing it on my own, and if I got the results or did the key responsibilities, nobody bugged me. And then why have I had my own companies for well over 30 years, 35 years, or in fact 40 when I was younger when I had a company while I was working, is because I want to kind of be in charge of my own space. Now, just I just want to digress for a second. A lot of times people in our values preference indicator, I just want to explain it a little bit, is that we have a list of 21 values that you complete online, and you say, okay, here out of these 21s, what are my top values? And a lot of times what happens is that uh, people don't want to select their number one value. People want to have like seven number one values, but you can't. You are always choosing one thing or, uh, over another. I had to choose my son's concert over going to the investment meeting. 
It wasn't that I could have them both as number one. And if we know it or not, if you acknowledge it or not, you're always choosing one thing or another. And then what we do in the online and also in the print version is that we take all the 21 values, we mix them up into what we call the values matrix, and we force people to make 300 decisions about their value priorities in one single page. And what's interesting is, in many cases, the first values list doesn't match the second, even though you did both lists. And here's what happens. A lot of times, we have social pressures and expectations to be somebody who we're not, to be somebody different than what we want to be. You know, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it is uh, social pressures around you. Uh, maybe it's sort of environmental work pressures. Well, everybody wants you to be promoted, and now you're the manager, and you hate being a manager because you don't really want to deal with all that stuff. And I've mentioned before where society says that success in life is meaning that you must be upwardly mobile, which is completely incorrect. If I'm in the zone, if I'm in the place that I just am in the flow, then why would I want to promote myself into non-flow, into uh, misery? So these things we need to kind of con you know, consider. And the other thing that we do when we talk about values is that values have related needs and fears. Many, many years ago, I was brought into an organization that had a very, very high turnover rate. They were, they were approaching 400% turnover. And what it was is that it was this credit collections department of a large multinational. The manager had decided that they were going to hire the nicest credit collection people in the country, and they were going to be these gentle, kind people around asking for money. Because you know credit collections, maybe it's better now, maybe it's not, but uh, years ago, just nasty, nasty individuals, and now there is, uh, are some policies and governance stuff to kind of manage these, uh, the abuse that some of them have or have produced. However, at that time, he really wanted to change the brand of the company. So one of the value sets that was present in most of the people that he had on this team was the value of tranquility. Well, that seems like a common sense. Well, Tranquility has nothing to do with a credit collection department, but the reason he was hiring those people is because they were nice, gentle, and kind. Well, in our model, in the CRG model, in the Values Preference Indicator, and in Chapter 8 of my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me?, we talk about that what is one of the number one needs of somebody who wants tranquility? Well, their need is harmony, and their number one fear is conflict. So what is every credit collection call about? Conflict, right? In some form or another, even if it's nice conflict, is that, you know what, you're short of cash, I need the money, you're late, it's, it's stressful for them, it's stressful for you. And so no wonder he had a 400% turnover, even though the manager was well-meaning and he wanted to have this vision of this department. The, the internal values of the people that he had hired were not congruent with the daily responsibilities of the position, and so their engagement was not sustainable. No way they could keep up. And in fact, some of these people, their need or their value of tranquility was so high, they're physically ill during the days. No wonder there was a 400% turnover. 
So we shifted his mindset and said, listen, we can change, we can teach strategies and processes so they can be good and high-quality interactions and communicators on the phone, but we can't hire people where tranquility is one of their top five values. We're able to shift the turnover rate from 400% to 40% in 90 days. Now, 40% is still high, but in a call center, it was somewhat typical that time. But look at the improvement. Went from 400 to 40 when we started to understand what is the internal values needed of the people that are working here, and also what are the value sets that we need to avoid, meaning not put people in a position where if they have that value, it is just going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to succeed with that value. And I mean, here's the flip side. Let's say I have the value of independence. And then you put me in a position where you're going to micromanage me. Well, when we look at our list of independence, to be in control of self is a need. And their number one fear is being controlled or told what to do by others. Hello? So no wonder these individuals that have a value of independence quit when they get in a, in a position or a role that doesn't give them enough freedom because it is internally disruptive to them. They just, it just doesn't settle for them. And so there isn't a right or wrong value set. There wasn't one value that's better than another. They are simply different. And when I know what my core behavioral values are, I can use them as a filter to live my life, to interact with others. others. We even use this understanding of values in relationships, personal relationships, because what if the value set of your significant other, spouse, partner is different than you? What does that mean in terms of being able to get along and be able to show some flexibility or understanding of the fact that Ken just needs a lot of variety and the significant other just needs a lot of structure? Okay, so now you have this spontaneous, variety-driven individual and this other person who just wants predictability, routine, and structure. Would there be a little bit of conflict? Can you relate to that personally? So we have this 21 values. We have the values with the related uh, needs and fears. And what we do with people is we, through this process of completing the assessment and vetting through it, we get them to identify what are their top seven values. So the reality is we can't have 21 number one values. We must make a choice. And a lot of people don't want to do it. But it's part of the things that gets in the way of our values is that we're trying to have too many. We, we must prioritize. It's just the reality of it. And a lot of times, have you ever heard where uh, somebody says, you know what, my family's important to me, and they never spend time with them? So the other side of it is that if you own a value, and this is important to you, then we better be implementing it because now you have an internal congruence issue. If the value of tranquility is important to you and your life is full of conflict, then we know that is going to be disturbing and, and create misery in your life. If you uh, require challenge as a value and it's not present, then that's going to be an issue. 
And here's the other thing, is that a lot of times people fool themselves of what the value is most important to them. I remember working for 10 years, we had the uh, contract to do the soft skills with Chrysler. And we're developing this work with these individuals, and I was on site in a dealership. And one of the individuals there said, you know what, one of my number one values is honesty. And then I watched as he didn't lie, but he didn't actually reveal the truth about the used car that he was selling to the customer. Because I was doing personal sales coaching, and I was on the floor with the individuals, and I was listening, and I really wasn't saying anything, but I was observing his interaction with the client. And so I challenged the salesperson afterwards, you told me that one of your values is honesty, but you didn't reveal all the details of that vehicle to that individual. And he said, well, if I did, I was told directly by my used car manager not to do that. And if I did, I probably could have lost my job. So do you see what's happening there? Is that he actually sold out his value of honesty for job security. Job security was more important to him than honesty. It's not that he wasn't honest. It's just that if I have a choice between honest and job security, I will choose job security. Every single day we are making these kinds of choices. The other thing that I want to challenge you is that if you've had a value on your list for months or years that you've done nothing about, it is eroding your personal energy. Get going. Take action on that value. Have that value be present. Or get over the list and move on to something else. In other words, if that value is not being lived out, if you're not taking any action steps, is it really a value of yours? I don't know. Only you can answer that question. So when we have people go through the assessment, we have them establish what are their top seven values. And it could be from the list number one, which they were doing window shopping, or it could be through the values matrix where they made 300 decisions, where the cream rises to the top. And then we get them to establish, okay, is this value being met, plus or minus? No, it's not being met. Yes, it is. Or a gradient value of 1 to 10, 10 fully being met, 1 not at all then we get them to kind of rank each one of those values and they say, okay, uh, this value is a plus, and then we have you document beside that value, what am I doing in my life that causes that value to be fulfilled? What are the steps? So we're creating awareness for you in whatever case that may be. Now, one of the values that we have on our list is friendship. And so let's say I have three people in my seminar who say that friendship is important to them. Would it be possible that each one's definition of how friendship is fulfilled be different? It's possible. For you, it could be that I need to be hanging out with my friends once or twice a week. Uh, we're going for dinner. We're, we're playing games or whatever it is that we're just hanging out. Or for somebody else is that we do it once a month and we have everybody come over for a barbecue and that's more than enough for me. So who gets to decide if a value is being met or not is that you do. And each person will have unique requirements so that that value will be fulfilling to them as part of that process. So I just want you to think about, okay, if you don't know what your top seven values are, then you would 
you know, go online, get the online value preference indicator. If you don't want to do that, then fine. Then just kind of make your own list and say, okay, what are my top values? And then is that value being met right now or not? And if I'm going to meet that value, if I'm going to, if it's a minus right now, then the, the other challenge is to you is to say, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to shift? What do I need to add so that that value is being fulfilled? So if the value is independence, well, you know what? Maybe I need to leave my job and start my own business. If uh, the value is challenge, maybe I need to add and step up and stop talking about doing some things and challenging myself. If my value is friendship and I kind of feel empty on that, then how do I proactively include more friends, more activities? Maybe it's just I do the movies once a week or whatever the case might be. Now, I still remember it was the very beginning when I started with CRG and was doing a seminar jointly with Dr. Terry Anderson with a local agricultural company, which is my background where I came out of agricultural sales and worked for the Federal Department of Agriculture as well. And we had an individual in the back of the room, and we were in this part of the seminar where he was ranking and putting a plus or minus between his top seven values. It was right at that time that really he looked a little despondent. He looked down. He looked uh, a little withdrawn. Almost teary, but not quite. And so I pulled him aside to this 23-year-old, and I asked him, I said, what's going on? I said, what happened with your seven values? I says, he said, every one of my seven values has a minus beside it. I said, why do you think that is? He says, well, that's because my whole life I've been living what my parents want, not what I want. You know, it's time for you to step up, and not from a self-centered point of view, but from a fulfillment point of view, say, what are your core values? And then are you analyzing? Are you paying attention? Are you rating? Is that value being met or not? And if it's not, then what are you going to do about it? And then if you're not going to do anything about it, get it off the list. It is eroding your personal energy as far as your ability to fulfill, your ability to serve, your ability to help others. You know, when I do the What Motivates Self and Others workshop or seminar, and I get people interacting in the workshop, it is one of the number one rated programs in history in any conference I do anywhere in the world because everybody relates to values. Everybody relates to this sort of internal clock or motivator that's important to you. And so I just encourage you that you would be paying attention and that you would be making a list and that if you don't know what your values are, then you are, can't make the right decision every time. It's just not possible because you are not filtering them. So let's say you have your top values and you have a new opportunity, a new position, maybe a promotion, maybe an offer outside of it, or maybe you saw something else. Could you take those top four, five, six values and use those to filter so if accomplishment, challenge, variety are all part of your values, are they present in how that role looks and how that role is important to them? Or one of my other associates took the values preference indicator and was using it in her consulting project with a sales team. The sales manager were constantly uh, frustrated with the fact that they were putting all these financial 
incentives to move the sales team's performance up, but they weren't getting the needle to move whatsoever. So what they did is they had everybody complete the values preference indicator. And then they design an incentive and reward program that was based on their values. Not based on what the sales manager thought would motivate them, but rather what motivated that person. They were able, according to uh, the associate that works with us, said that they were able to move the needle by 40%. Because the incentive program was appealing to what were the internal motivators of that individual. What would it mean if the people around you that work with you or the people that are significant to you, if you knew what their values were just in a few minutes? And they were able to communicate those priorities to you and then we could intentionally design kind of a life or workplace or job opportunities that better played to the values or just affirmed what is already true for that person. Oh, man, it's so powerful. And just one person after another where it's very, very important to be able to uh, validate, confirm, and then live out those values. So I just want to encourage you, and I just want to thank you for I mean, this show is just maybe a little bit shorter than uh, some of the other ones, but oh, so much more uh, so powerful as far as helping you to understand what makes you fulfilled. You know, values is really non-negotiable. You're living them right now. I just encourage you to say, you know what? Are you making the right decisions when you think about life? It's really about the relationships. It's about what's most important to you. Do you have a dream that you're holding back on? I just want to encourage you to take that step. And if you want to learn more, you can go to crgleader.com and take the online values preference indicator or get my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me?, which in Chapter 8 I go more in detail about what a value is and has uh, some information there about values more in depth than what we've covered today. You know, I want to thank you for listening today. And if you are enjoying the Secrets of Success podcast and getting value from them, I just encourage, would you please share it? Would you let other people know about it so that we can help transform their lives, change their lives, help others to live, lead, and work on purpose? I thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.